Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to it. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO with you here until noon as we are every Monday through Friday, 10 until noon, local programming on KXNO. Uh, coming up on the program today, Trent Condon, you and I have decided we're going to take a, well, our first look really after the mini camps and the OTAs are behind us. We're going to get two of our teams in here today from right. the NFC North. Your Bears. I like that. And KXNO's Vikings in the spotlight here today. You won't see me wearing any purple. No. I did today. Did you notice that? I did. Look at you. Absolutely. Tim Yatter will be here talking Vikings. I do love Paul Allen's call, though. Found myself many times throughout the years, (laughs) bouncing over here when I wasn't part of the station to KXNO. PA is as good to me as you're going to find as an NFL Radio broadcaster. He is excellent. I, I'm with you. I think that of the local teams, um, Johnny Eck does the Bears. Johnny yes. Eck. He's an Iowa State grad. Yes, he is. Uh, I don't hear a lot of I'm not even sure if they're on in the market. They've, They've have, been They on have and off. been, right? Yeah. I'm not you would sure. think, though, that that would be one somebody would gobble up. Well, they're pricey. Right? Oh, are they? They're, they're pricey. I think that's probably, or maybe I don't look. I don't. I don't need to speak for any other radio groups in town, but I know for a fact they're pricey. That they makes sense. They don't come cheap. Yeah. Um. And and then of course the Packers have Wayne Larravee. At least they did. Yes. Still, and he's yes. pretty good in his own right too. I hear him a lot driving around on Sundays. Uh-huh. He. Uh, they have all kinds of stations, as you can imagine, being the oh, Packers. Absolutely. And uh, some big ones that that burst through. So Packers. I've always liked Wayne Larravee. Kind of brings me back to that bygone era of. Raycom, yeah, yeah. ESPN right, Plus, right. back uh, way back in the mm-hmm. day, back in the late '80s, early '90s. Did a lot of college football. He yep. said, spent a lot of time at Kinnick Stadium, and then mm-hmm. of course to our south, uh, Mitch Holtis is you know as popular as anybody. Yes, you know where we sit. We've got four guys, um, and I, again, I don't claim to you know Joniak. Joniak is a guy that I don't know a lot about. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm struggling to pronounce his last name. I know that little about Joniak. It. Joniak. Uh, I've, I've heard some of his stuff, but PA hard to get away from. Mm-hmm. Uh, same way, uh, both guys that uh, excel at their craft and and uh, and with the fan base, they really are. I think my first indoctrination for Paul Allen was, oh, this is probably going back almost two decades now, when they had a kicker. I can't remember which one this is. This isn't something recently, but well, he got the job in like two thousand four or five. Right in they that broke era. his heart. They, they, in fact, PA was going to get it. Uh huh. And then there was some politics involved, and I don't know who got the job, but did for one year uh-huh. before they righted their wrong and put PA uh, in that chair. But it was a couple of missed extra points back when it wasn't an extra point moved back as we know it now. Okay, yeah. And not a yeah, kicker problem with the Vikings, no it's way. Shocker, right? Who'd have thought? They played the radio call over and over on NFL primetime, mm-hmm. and it was PA going. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. That, what do you think, this is Detroit or whatever <laughs> yeah. it was in the yeah. NFC Championship game? He wears his heart on his sleeve. And I think that that's why one of the many reasons he's as beloved as he is up there. So we're going to take a look 
Again, uh, we will do the the Chiefs, and we will get to the Packers later on in the week, but today it's going to be the Bears and the Vikings in the spotlight, and we'll do that coming up here in the 10 o'clock hour. 11 o'clock hour, the NBA draft is right around the corner. Chris Monter has been covering the draft for literally decades, and he's going to chime on in here. We'll do the local guys, but we'll also pick his brain about, you know, what he's hearing, um, some of the moves that the at the top of the draft, if any. Does Zion, does he or doesn't he want to go to uh, the Pelicans? I hope he does. Uh, I really do like to see that franchise get a little bit of a bump. I know Scott Sipker feels the yes. same way. Uh, he is the uh, the Pelicans fan here in Central Iowa. We'll do NBA draft talk with Chris Montour. And then Mitch Sherman, who I'm looking forward to speaking with uh, on, on a couple of fronts. A, he's really good. He was with ESPN. The Athletic has snapped him up. He covers Nebraska, but he's based in Omaha. So we'll do some College World Series stuff with Mitch. We'll do some Husker stuff and some Big Ten West stuff uh, overall uh, with Mitch Sherman. That's coming up at about 11.35 as I uh, tried to get uh, brush up a little bit with the Phil Steele. Uh, you bringing it in yesterday. You know what I realized the first thing I noticed, Trent? And I noticed this a little bit last year. Uh, 60 has not been kind to my vision. Oh, really? As you see, I've got this. Oh, that's a beaut. Magnifying glass. Oh, no. Can't. I hope it's not come to that, Trent. I can't read the printing. It's too small. Do you have glasses? Do you have cheaters? No. No. I have glasses, you, but I, I, yeah, you I have to glasses. take them off to read. Gotcha. Well, but is apparently it, it's not working. Is it time for the bifocals? In fact, I just, I was at, uh, I got another pair of glasses yesterday. I maybe should have. You know, I tried bifocals once. Uh-huh. I literally almost puked. Yeah, I, I've heard people say that kind of thing where it makes you I nauseous. I nauseous. Yeah, when you can't get ready. I got a place for you, Elite Eye Care, oh. over on University Avenue, presenting sponsor of our high school baseball it's almost all like we set long. that up and we didn't. And we didn't. And we didn't. Well, the bifocal thing is uh, I'm kicking and screaming. I'm fighting that one at least for now. We'll try the magnifying glass because whatever it takes to read this uh, publication, Phil, still I'm into. I was into your twins last night. Uh-huh. And, you know, that what a well-pitched baseball game. You know, I, everybody, uh, chicks like, uh, dig the long ball. Remember that campaign? Mm-hmm. And everybody, the, the twins are hitting home runs and extra base hits. They lead the majors in extra base hits. I think last night they had uh, they recorded quarter the 301st it came up at one point in the broadcast jack morris was really good last night by he the way. was better than yes. normal i thought i thought the same thing was i was watching his kind game. of game though i think too <laughs> great point <laughs> yeah a pitching duel that yeah. is his wheelhouse right and two guys that went deep into the game they did and you know he brought it up that uh, nolan ryan uh, you know what did he have a couple of this was an anniversary of a, a game I don't know, 25 years ago where he threw 200 and something pitches in a single game and, and walked 10 guys, but, and then came back on four days rest to pitch six shutout innings. And that it was the point he was making is, you know, this used to be the normal, right? Right. Why coddle Barrios? Why, I mean, Porcello's past the coddling stage, but Barrios was in the game for 109 pitches. Didn't walk a guy. Trent, these two starters combined 15 innings, 18 Ks. And the only walk was given up by Porcillo, and I want to say it was his final inning of work when the walk yes. occurred. You know, Porcello was really good. He had struggled throughout most of this year. Looks like he's kind of rounding back into form, though. Well, he's he's up, he's down, he's inside, he's outside. He commanded that strike zone last night like we haven't seen him in a long time. His last couple of times out, though, much better than what he's been. Finally, ERA back under five. Guy that was, I mean, Cy Young contender mm-hmm. and... Kind of taking a big step back this season, but he was good last night. Twins couldn't figure him out. It's funny, as a fan, looking at this and reading Twitter and a bunch of the Twins people that I follow, and some of the consternation and freaking out losing 
a game like this and losing on Sunday to the Royals. Look, you're not going to sweep everybody. No, really. <laughs> you go and the you other, take... the other team, the team in the other dugout gets paid too. Yes, they take two out of three last week against the Mariners. Two out of three against the Royals. You do that the rest of the year, they're going to win 110 plus games. Mm-hmm. You play 667 baseball, and mm-hmm. they have a lot of games against bad teams the rest of the way. They're going to be fine, and more than likely, they're going to have home field advantage in the American League playoffs if they play at that. But boy, the hand wringing that was going on uh, against a good team, they can't get it done. They can't even sweep the Roy- lowly Royals and just slow down. This is a really good baseball team. And and my, you take away Brios. You put that guy as your number one, you're feeling good going into a playoff series. Heck yeah, Trent. He was fantastic last night. Had that little hiccup in the first inning, but that yeah. was about it. 19 straight he retired. And he was terrific. The Red Sox lineup. This is not the No, Royals. I agree with you. They've won Bettis, six straight. Benatendi, Martinez, Bogarts, Holt bothers the heck out of you. Jackie Bradley seemingly gets big hits. I'm missing a couple of dice. Devers. Devers has been really good. He didn't play well, hit it well last night, but he has been kind of a bounce back second year guy from uh, what he was a year ago. That lineup is stacked mm-hmm. top to bottom, 19 consecutive. The strikeouts and the emotion that he showed after that final out, getting the strikeout. Those are good things to see. That was a fun night of baseball. No, it really was. Cron misses, what did what his home run miss? Three feet? Four yeah, feet, something that, like yeah. that. I mean, Trent, that's a tie ball game. Mm-hmm. It certainly looked like that to me. Um, you know, it was a great play by. I want to say it was Jackie Bradley. I thought he was watching the ball leave the ballpark. That's what I thought too. Yeah. He was decoying. Yeah, is what he was. You know, it uh, worst case scenario, the ball leaves the ballpark and decoys. It doesn't doesn't matter, but it did. I'm not so sure that uh, the Chrome would have been able to get any uh, advanced any further than second, anyways. But you know, a good baseball play on his part. Hell of a baseball game. Enjoyed mm-hmm. the heck out of it last night. Watch a little court Cardinals last night. Uh, flipping back and forth, look good. The Marlins. I mean, yeah. it's a quadruple A team at best. Right. Did what they're supposed to. Good to see Fowler with the home run. Good to see Carpenter. Maybe starting to heat up. Well, just did a little you see bit? what he did last night on the shift, where he basically stuck his middle finger up at the shift? He doubled on a bunt. Love that. That was outstanding. Love that. The shift is all over on the uh, between first and second base, and he lays down a perfect bunt that goes just past well, what the shortstop would have been, or maybe the third baseman if he's you know not guarding the bag. There was nobody there. He had a stand up double on a bunt. That I mean, good to see. That was outstanding. You want to shift? All right, shift this. Uh, it was terrific baseball last night out of him. Three hits uh, in the game for Carpenter. He's back to the top of the lineup as they continue mm-hmm. to shift things around, trying to find that right combination. They're I, not out of this race, Trent. I still like this. I, I like the build of this team. We talked about it in the preseason a lot. I like the roster construction here. The bullpen, ton of power arms mm-hmm. down there. they got to just figure out starting pitching. I mean, I think it's as simple as that. Iwaka got another opportunity over the weekend. He was... Okay. Yeah, better. Better, yeah. yeah. Certainly better than what he had been. You know, there's so much talk about Madison Bumgarner yeah. and where he's going to end up. And, and he's going to end up somewhere. Where do you? How do you view him? Well, he's not the same guy that he was. But he's not here's, a one. No, but here's what, here's what I like about Madison Bumgarner. My son and I were talking about this yesterday, actually. Uh, he's a Twins fan, too. Um, I told him, look, he's not the same guy, but here's what he is. On a young team, like the Twins say, mm-hmm. This guy's pitched in huge spots, right? You know, he's he's going to be uh, that that veteran leadership type of guy that some of these young guys can look at to in these 
Who knows how far the Twins are going to go, yeah. right? Uh, but if they are postseason bound, God knows it sure looks like they are. It'd be a massive upset at this point if they didn't make it. I mean, collapse of all collapses. If nothing else, Madison Bumgartner will be that um, that veteran presence that been there, done that type of guy, and you know, in in long playoff runs. I like it. I, I do like it. Now he's not the same player. He's no. not the same player, but he's still okay. He's not the guy that's going to go in the seventh inning and then get you or the seventh game of World Series and get you an extra three innings. Like he did yeah, a few years ago, for right? Him. That was unbelievable. I mean, you talk about putting a team on your back. Mm-hmm. That that embodied everything about that in that World Series run. And maybe the guy that we see today would be different if he wouldn't have done that. You wonder how taxing that was on the arm. Fair point. Now, how much that took away that he had, what, the ATV accident a couple years yeah, back? Yeah, to start the season. That's that right. Really hasn't been the same yeah. guy since then. But you put that guy behind Barrios, who is your one. Yeah. Even if you get Madison Bumgarner. No, he's your one. I agree. Barrios is your one. What is he still leads the American League in ERA? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Bumgarner's your three? And he got beat Sunday, right, Odorizzi? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Not too bad. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Not, that's not bad at all. And, and then that. you figure out the rest, it, be it Kyle Gibson or Michael Pineda. No, I do wonder with Pineda, I think he goes tonight for the Twins, a guy that we remember burst onto the scene early in his career in Seattle. I mean, this guy was pumping it up there, 98, mm-hmm. all throughout the game. He goes to the Yankees, injuries, Tommy John, everything that has happened. If you're the Twins, though, and you're looking long-term at this season, doesn't it make sense to, if not once, twice this year, put him on that 10-day DL, skip him a couple of times? Why not? Well, we're seeing more of this in sports, yes. right? He's got a back issue. Yeah. He's got tightness in the mm-hmm. back. Put him on the, put him t- on the DL. Yeah. Put him on the aisle. 10 days, miss a couple starts. Mm-hmm. Then right back. Right. I, I think it makes sense for Here, a lot of teams. Well, and, and, the, and the main reason is you know, the, the comfortable lead, right? Yes. Same thing with Barrios, a young guy, mm-hmm. still only 24 years old. No, don't tell Jack Morris that. He doesn't no, want to hear that. He wants these guys to go out every fourth or fifth or fourth days and, and tow the rubber. Same thing, though, if you're, and we've seen this with some young guys, when they hit that first time 180 inning plateau or the 200 inning plateau, and either the following season or just late in the year, how they start to wear down. With a 10-game lead, that's what it still is here on June 18th. Slow it down, mm-hmm. go that route. Now, the Cardinals don't have that. They will get Reyes back pretty soon, but boy. Yeah, but can you trust them? No, I don't think so. It's been now almost three weeks where they said Alex Reyes is going to make three one Three years, start. though, don't you forget. <laughs> that's very true, too. One more start in AAA. He makes the starts mm-hmm. not very good. He's one more. Make one more start. One more. Just one more. I think if you're a Cardinals fan, you're kind of in that same boat. If, if he comes back and is the guy three years ago we anticipated, great. But you can't count on that. No. It is. They're going to be looking around for starting pitching help. Twins probably are there looking for another arm. And then bullpens across baseball. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going that direction. How many teams are selling right now? Your Blue Jays are. Uh, Baltimore yeah, is. For sure. Um, Three. Tigers, Royals. Mariners, we already know. I mean, they're full blown. Yes. They're a full blown uh, sale already. Within Canarsione, <laughs> yep. to the Yankees. Uh, Marlins don't have anybody left. Here's the team that I think a lot of people are going to watch: the Washington Nationals. Yes, that's a really good one. And because they've got some, they've got some guys. I mean, can you imagine if Scherzer comes up? Well, and I saw some speculation about that yesterday. You know, Rendon is also a mm. free agency is pending for him. I mean, you talk about a guy that is the embodiment of a rental. You go out and get a third baseman like that, mm-hmm. the kind of power that he has and, and everything that he can do, that would be a huge, huge cog for somebody. Yeah, the Nationals are a good one to keep here's, an eye here's on. Here's another big name that's uh, apparently being dangled, and the Arizona Diamondbacks are three games above five hundred, but they're ten games back in the race. Mm-hmm. Is that Granky? Yes, yes. That's been talked about a lot. You mm-hmm. know, I've heard a lot of Milwaukee 
possibly for him with that one. Well, that would make some sense. That it would. Back to Milwaukee, Back right? to Milwaukee, right, where, yeah. he, where he began, yes. Unbelievable. Or no, he began in Kansas City. And then went there. And then he really mm-hmm. put it all together in Milwaukee. Yeah. Speaking of guys in Kansas City, how about Jorge Soler? 19 homers now. He is finally, you know, he was he was the other piece in the, he was the Wade Davis trade. Mm-hmm. When they got, it was Wade, was it straight up? I think it was. Was it straight up? Sounds right. There might have been a throw in there. It might there, have but... been Soler for Wade Davis, and Soler was... You know, where was he going to play in Chicago? And he gets over to Kansas City and they think, well, nothing else. He's going to DH. He's going to hit a gazillion home runs. And really wasn't that guy. He's back and forth, don't forget, between Omaha and Kansas City not too many years ago. Uh, but boy, has he figured it out this year. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're a Royals fan, A, feel bad for you, um, now, but again, it's not too far. You have to look too far back in the rear view mirror when you had the absolute best of times back to back years. One of them broke your heart. The next year you cashed in. Um, so it hasn't been that long ago that your team was on top of the baseball world. But if you're looking for positives, he's one of those guys. Mets could be a seller coming up yeah. here that certainly have some pieces that you'd be well, excited Zach about. Well, Zach Wheeler's the guy that people are, the, the pitcher that most, he's never been, he's for whatever reason, he's never, I don't think, been able to get to the point where a lot of baseball followers thought he was going to get. I mean, Syndergaard's never coming up, is he? No, I, I wouldn't think so. You can't. Unless the hull is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can go that direction. They have some pieces in that bullpen, though. They haven't been great. You know, Jumbo Diaz they got from Seattle, who was really good in Seattle. How looking many for saves bullpen did he have? 40-something, yeah. I think? I think that'll be a name that'll be sniffing around. Speaking of bullpen arms, you mentioned the Tigers. I know their closer's probably going to be available. Well, Ian Giles Kennedy. in Toronto was yes. going to be available, then he got hurt. Uh, Ian Kennedy now closing for Kansas City. There's another name that could come up. Plenty of names and plenty of sellers here as we get closer and closer to the And there's only one. It's July the 31st, and that is it. All right, Jeff Hughes coming up in a few minutes. Just real quick on this trend. I was on Twitter last night, and again, as I told you, watching your twins and trying to get uh, re-familiarized with some of the uh, college football stuff. Ralph Russo, who uh, covers college football for the Associated Press, well, a number of things. He tweeted out week seven of college football. It's September. It's October the 12th, week seven. If you're a TV executive, and I know that some of these aren't, you know, all CBS is going to choose their SEC game, but yes. just let me run through this this list of games. The TV executives, ABC, ESPN, etc. It's going to be nightmares trying to choose what you want to do. Now, granted, Notre Dame will be on on NBC, but Florida State, Clemson, good. How many stars is that? Four out of five. Yeah. Alabama, A and M. Four and a half at A and M. A and M's the team. A lot of people think if it's not going to be Bama, there's your team. Year two, a lot of times coaches make that mm-hmm. leap a year earlier than people think. A lot of people, there's an old adage: year three is when. Sometimes it's year two, right? A and M, if they're going to make that jump with Jimbo here, you get Alabama coming into your building. Oh, that's going to be raucous. Uh, Florida at LSU, pretty good. Yeah, CBS. Which which game is going to be prime time in the middle of the afternoon, two thirty? Alabama A and M or Florida LSU? Or does ESPN or ABC poach one of those? I think Alabama A and M is your two thirty CBS game. Florida LSU is at six o'clock on ESPN. Day. Yes. 
Uh, Oklahoma, Texas. We know that's 11 o'clock in the morning. On Fox. On Fox has that one. USC at Notre Dame. That'll be on NBC. Michigan State, Wisconsin. Good game. Good game. I don't think either one is going to be favored to win their respective divisions, but they're going to be right there. In fact, I know either one of them won't be favored to win their respective divisions, but Michigan State's going to be a factor. Wisconsin is always a factor. If Graham Mertz, their freshman quarterback, is anywhere close to the hype, uh, Wisconsin's in the race. Penn State, go ahead, Trent. Well, uh, who is the betting favorite? There will be odds and, In which one? In the Big Ten West. You said you don't think Wisconsin will be. No, I don't think so. I think Nebraska's going to be. The betting favorite? I think so. There's a lot of Nebraska. I'm not saying I think this should be favored. Okay. I got you. Those haven't come out. Have you seen any? I have not. I've I'll seen in... conference odds, but I haven't seen any division ones. Those are usually not till August. We usually get those. And they're usually offshore. I will do some digging and see if I can get you an answer, at least for the company. That'll be good. Uh, Penn State at Iowa. Great game. Great game. Everybody thinks that's the night game, uh, the other night game on the Hawkeye schedule. But but who's going to carry it? Oh, I think that's night game BTN. Big Ten Network takes that one and puts it at their 7 o'clock kickoff. Okay. Because... There's just too much. ABC is already probably going to be covered with the schedule that you mentioned there. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the ABC night game is also going to be... Figured out. Florida State Clemson's probably got uh, 7 o'clock written all yep. over it, I think. I think that's the ABC national game for the mm-hmm. night game. South Carolina Georgia's on that list. Now, uh, that might have been the stretch of the other ones to put on that list. But there, that's not bad. It's not bad but at all. But point being, week seven, my God, TV execs have fun sorting that one out. You got a, uh, what's the date, week seven? Well, it's October the 12th. October 12th. All right, got to clear out the calendar for that day. Make sure that there's not a whole lot going on. Yes. That is... That is a big day. No what? yard work that day. Right. Well, you'll be at Iowa. Won't you be at Kinnick? Uh, my my trips to Iowa City are going to be limited this year with the new arrival coming oh, in at the end of August. gotcha. That one might have to be one. Well, you know what? Do I use the get out of home card uh-huh. for that weekend or say, you know no, what, honey, you know what, Trent? You we'll watch home. it as a family Yep, because of the day. Because We're just going to watch football all day. We'll have a fun day with the little one. I think that's the call. You want to know why, folks, I don't go to games? That I reason just listed right off there. That, uh, that's, that, that, that slate of games right there is number one reason. <laughs> you just miss too much. I get it. It's your school. You want to be there. I absolutely understand it. But understand where I'm coming from. You miss too much. Take a time out. Jeff Hughes, the Bear Blog, will be next. We'll talk Bears. Timmy Otter on the Vikings. Going to take a look at two of the four local NFL teams next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Let's take a look at one of the two local teams we're going to look at today. I believe they're the favorite to win the NFC North. If not, they should be. The Chicago Bears in the spotlight. Vikings coming up with Tim Yotter. Right now, Jeff Hughes, the Bears blog. Uh, he joins us. Jeff Trenton, Ken, how are you? I am doing great, Ken. How are you? Doing very well. Thanks for coming on. And you mentioned it in uh, in your tweet when uh, we put out our guest list and you uh, let your followers know that you're going to be on. And the kicker will be addressed uh, in our conversation I guess, Jeff, what's the best case scenario now, trying to find one of these guys? Isn't this Trent and I kind of speculated last week that, you know, if there's a team with a young kicker and they've got a veteran on the roster making a lot of money, but this youngster, he would save us a lot of cap space. He's not that big of a difference. We think he's going to be good. Is that the best case scenario? A veteran gets jettisoned like uh, uh, Bailey last year in uh, the Vikings pickup. Maybe that kind of scenario, Jeff? 
You know, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I To break this kicker down, the situation down as quickly as possible, they brought in a bunch of kids, a bunch of kids, and none of them were any good. So they kept a couple of the kids, I think, just to keep bodies. They have made a circus out of this entire process. And now, no matter what happens this summer with the kids on the roster, with Fry and with Pinero, we're not going to know. They're going to be a complete unknown until they kick that opening Thursday night against the Packers. And I just can't imagine that Ryan Pace and this organization are going to allow the position that knocked them out of the postseason last year to allow that position to be an unknown going into this year with this roster would be negligence of the highest order. And they would be they would be slaughtered in the press if one of these young kickers were to were to miss a game winner against the Packers on that opening night. So I think what you guys have drawn up is highly possible. Does some kicker come free or become available here in the next few months? Listen, we all know who they want, and we all know Mm -hmm. he wants them. But right now it does not seem like Robbie Gold is going to get free of San Francisco. They certainly don't want to let him free. Now, if he doesn't show up in San Francisco, could a kicker force his way out of an NFL franchise? We certainly haven't seen that before. But Robbie's the kind of guy who could do it. He's made a lot of money. He loves Chicago. He wants to come home. That's the match. That's that's the no-brainer. But right now it looks like they're, they're content to at least go into the summer with these kids and let them kick and see where they are in July. Speaking of that, and I, I've heard from a few people, non-Bears people, saying, boy, all the consternation, all the hand-wringing here for a kicker, what's the big deal? And I just point to our neighbors to the north up in Minnesota. I mean, they've had kicking issues seemingly for two decades, and you see how it's gone on for that organization. This is something that can permeate. This is something that can get into, I don't know, just, just deeply embedded into the organization as a whole. It feels so important to get this right. I mean, I mean... People who say these things about kickers, I, I just believe, have no historical knowledge of the NFL in general. Ask the Buffalo Bills what a kicker means. <laughs> yeah. Ask the New England Patriot dynasty of the early 2000s what a kicker means. Yeah. Of course the Vikings know what a kicker means, but don't even go that far back. Go back to the NFC title game and Greg the leg banging 60 yarders from everywhere on the field. Yep. If you don't have that guy who could reliably kick a 50-yard field goal now, you have a liability on your roster. And these games are determined by a play here and a play there. There are 12 to 15 teams in this league right now that are maybe two plays difference between them from 1 to 15. And that play, a lot of times, is on specials. And right now, if you're ranking those teams, the only one with a true liability at kicker, is the Chicago Bears because we honestly don't know what they have. Uh, I'm just surprised that they haven't brought someone like a Matt Bryant or someone who's done it in the league before in at this point to at least have that body there. But I'm going to trust that they have a plan for the position and they just they can't execute it 
quite yet. Hmm. Uh, David Montgomery signed on the dotted line, former Iowa State running back. Uh, we saw how special he was here. The, the uh, yardage after first contact, the missed tackles, the broken tackles, just unbelievable what he did at Iowa State. Uh, I'm hard-pressed, Jeff, to find more buzz around a rookie running back that was drafted in the third round than there is on David Montgomery. They absolutely love him. He's a threat out of the backfield. Uh, they're already, uh, you know, I think, sizing him up for his bust in Canton for crying out loud. Some of the stuff <laughs> You read, but look at he is off the field. He's a gem on the field. He's a beast. I think they have a good one in Montgomery. I will say this: that reports out of camp, out of the OTAs, uh, I've never heard such glowing things about a, about a rookie. And I thought it was very telling that the minute he left practice one day, they had a contract done. And I think the Bears saw what they thought they were getting in David Montgomery, which is a star running back. I understand that he, he didn't hit the numbers that you need to hit to, to be a first-round pick, but the Bears think they've got a star uh, at, at running back. And, and one thing I was told is do not expect this to be a running back by committee. They're going to use Tariq Cohen in a whole wide range of ways, but they see David Montgomery as the guy who can do everything this offense asks. He can, he can run the ball. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's so bright. Uh, he's a heck of a blocker. They see him as the total package and providing the things that Jordan Howard couldn't provide. And, again, he's a third-round pick, uh, and he's the fifth favorite right now. Matter of fact, he's actually the third favorite. There are only two people, Vegas odds better, to win Offensive hmm. Rookie of the Year than a third-round running back. Oh, that's crazy. Vegas has picked up on this, and he's because this kid's going to be a star, I think. And what a steal that would be. But wouldn't be surprising, Ryan Pace has been very good in these middle rounds. Yes, he has. He's been able to unearth a lot of different gems out there. The offensive line, of course, is an important part, though, of anything that's going to happen with David Montgomery and the running game. That offensive line, moving parts at times, and the center. James Daniels versus Cody Whitehair. It's a conversation, Jeff, we've had now dating back for a year. What's the latest? What's going to happen up front and certainly at that center position? James Daniels will be the starting center. Cody Whitehair, Kyle Long will be the guards. Bobby Massey and Charles Leno will be the tackles. And I applaud the Bears for, I, I believe this was the plan from the second they drafted James Daniels. I, I don't think this team last year believed they were going to be quite as good as they were. I think things certainly changed early September when they made a deal yeah. for a certain edge rusher. Um, I think they, were, they wanted to give James Daniels time to assimilate to the NFL. But I was told by people last summer, they knew this kid was going to be a great center. They would have made the move earlier last year, but there was no reason to shake up what, what they had going. Uh, they expect James Daniels to be the center for years to come, and Cody Whitehair profiles better as a guard. These guys are now in their natural position, and if you're looking at sort of five years down the line, I think the Bears hope they'll both still be there, anchoring what's going to be the core of this offense, which will be their offensive line, because we all know in Chicago in December, that's where the games are won and lost. And they think they've got a core of offensive linemen now to win those games. No no doubt about it. You know, one of my bigger takeaways, Jeff, is the from this offseason is how comfortable, seemingly, Mitch Trubisky is uh, in being the Bears quarterback. Meaning that 
you know, he goes off the first pitch at guaranteed right field. He brings the offensive line with him, and they and he stand up in front of him and he throws a pitch. Then he's uh, on some TV show or in front of people dressed up as Ditka, wearing the mustache and Ditka's old. He's comfortable. We're seeing him break out of maybe, and maybe he's done this in the past, and I haven't noticed it. But he's embracing being the Bears quarterback in the city of broad shoulders. Uh, you know, the interesting thing about Mitch is, you know, he gets drafted, shocked the city when he got picked, shows up at a Bulls game and gets booed. Mm. And I believe since that day, he has realized that the way to win the fans over is just to show up, to do your work, to play your best, and to not create any distractions around the position. He finished the season really well last year. And... While we all kind of get carried away with what's happening on Twitter, if you actually get off of Twitter and into the real world, you find that people really like Mitch in Chicago. And everybody who roots for the team wants the kid to be successful. He has embraced the position because what choice do you have? You know you're going to get the scrutiny. You know you're going to get the criticism. You're a professional football player. You're the quarterback of one of the banner franchises. Why not enjoy it? And the one thing I've heard from people who, who are around him is that he's just so much more comfortable now in that role. Last year, well, first of all, let's, let's ignore the Fox time, but last year I, he was overwhelmed. To go from what Dole Loggins and John Fox were asking him to do to what Matt Nagy was asking him to do was like going from blocks to algebra. It's just not a transition you can make. So it took him six, seven months to get comfortable they believe he's taken that step now, and that has to now translate to numbers and to wins, and the expectation around the team is that it will. Final 30 seconds with you, Jeff. You're freaking out about the uh, beautiful throwback jerseys. We don't disagree very often. What's your deal? <laughs> I don't freak out about them. I, first of all, <laughs> I don't care. They are a marketing tool. Yes. The, the team doesn't care. They just want your money. So if you would like to go crazy and buy the striped socks, more power to you. Enjoy it. I prefer that team. This happens in the soccer world, too, and it drives me absolutely crazy. I prefer that the teams I identify in certain colors stay in those colors. And I don't understand this desire by franchises year in and year out to wear the jerseys they wore in 1964 because some guy broke a record that year. Stick in the jerseys that we know. Stick in the colors that we know. And stop trying to drain every nickel out of the fans that you can. They spend a fortune on games, a fortune on Sunday ticket. They, they, they support this game in ways that we've never seen in the history of American sports. Maybe every once in a while, give them a break and don't try to take more out of their wallet. Jeff Hughes, the Bears blog. Jeff, appreciate it as always. going to be a fun year. Look forward to talking to you a whole bunch of times, Jeff Hughes. Thank you. I hope. I hope it's every week, guys. Okay, good stuff. Good to talk to you. I'll lock that in. Jeff Hughes, uh, the Bears blog, as uh, we talk Chicago Bears, the favorite in the NFC North. As it should be. As it should be. They are the favorites. I agree. All right. um, Second choice, Vikings? You could make an argument for them or the Packers. Do you like what the Lions are doing? No. You don't? No. You don't like the New England West? It's never worked anywhere else. It's true. Patricia seems to be going all in, though. No, he is. But McBlunder did, too. Yeah, Romeo tried. Didn't go very didn't, well. Didn't. Charlie Weiss? Didn't. <laughs> uh, we'll take a time out. We'll come back. We will talk Vikings next in the 11 o'clock hour NBA draft conversation. And Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Hey, very tax extra. 
Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Appreciate uh, Jeff Hughes coming on. Take a look at the Bears. We're going to stay in the uh, NFC North and take a look at their rival, the Vikings. Of course, the Vikings play here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. You'll hear the voice of Paul Allen uh, and the entire crew doing those games. Right now, he's Tim Yotter. He's one of our Vikings guys, a guy that we're grateful to have uh, the relationship with. VikingUpdate.com, part of 24-7 Sports. And he joins us. Uh, OTAs are in the rearview mirror. It's the vacation period before training camp hits. Tim Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, Tim Yotter? Doing well. You guys? Uh, doing fine. Appreciate that. Football season can't get here quick enough, I'm sure, for uh, most people. Maybe not people that uh, cover it on a daily basis as your life changes, as, uh, as, as we know. But, you know, let's take a look back. Um, uh, what were some of the issues, some of the questions that maybe uh, Zimmer and company wanted to, if not address, but get a pretty good idea of maybe what they're, how they're going to go about it when camp opens? On either side of the football, Tim, what were some of the issues that you think maybe uh, some clarity has been provided? Well, I mean, number one, uh, 10 of the 11 starters on defense returned, which means how are they going to fill the void left by Sheldon Richardson leaving in free agency. Um, you know, Linval Joseph didn't partake in, in most of the full team work uh, during the, the past month of practices, sitting out after surgery. But uh, Shamar Stefan is expected to be the guy uh, that, that takes over that three-technique position. And then there was, uh, there was some experimentation done on defense where Zimmer – took a hard look uh, this offseason in January, February, March, looking at his defense, how uh, offenses attacked him, and if there were common themes. And I, I think he came away feeling like, yep, there, there were some, some common themes, especially after the way the Rams attacked them um, early in 2018. And so he's looked at some things, um, and his his – comments throughout this whole offseason process where look i've got all my veterans back on defense they know what i want so now is the time to take a look at some things that uh you know he may throw some wrenches into that defense and uh some new ideas and and take a look at how they look on film and over this next month he's really going to dive in and see okay what did i like what's going to work, what's not going to work, and, and that'll kind of decide how he approaches things on the defensive side of the ball. Tim, good talking to you again. A lot of conversation about the tight end position, Cal Rudolph, what his future was going to be. We found that out here uh, a few weeks back. But him, along with the combination now of Irv Smith Jr., and certainly an athletic guy, something I know the Vikings have tried to pair Rudolph with another tight end in some past years, and it just has never come to fruition a lot of talk about two tight end formations and some different thing, things they can do on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, there's that, and they even went as far as on some plays having three tight ends uh, in, a, mm. in the game. But the issue that they ran into um, last week of OTAs and, and then last week in minicamp, um, a lot of those tight ends were injured. And so Irv Smith was out, Tyler Conklin was out, David Morgan has had arthroscopic surgery on his knee, so he's been out. Um, so they were basically down to Rudolph and a few other guys that may not make the team. So it was a little bit difficult to to see exactly how Irv Smith is going to fit in. 
but I do expect that, that he's going to be paired on the field quite often with Kyle Rudolph. Um, you know, Rudolph is, is more of your traditional pass-catching tight end down in the middle of the field, big catch radius, all that stuff. Irv Smith is a guy that they can move around all over the formation. We saw it at, at Alabama where he was out wide, he was in the slot, he was the traditional tight end, and they even put him in the backfield quite a bit as a lead blocker. So I do think that once Smith gets a little more familiar with the offense, they may uh, start tinkering and looking at, at how can we use him um, and try to dictate the personnel that the defense is putting on the field against the Vikings. Hmm. Uh, Kirk Cousins do an awful lot of money over the next few years. I've already started to see some trade rumors out there. If San Francisco falls out of love with Garoppolo, maybe Kirk Cousins goes back there and reforms that relationship with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, who, who knows if, if that's in the future. But what is in the future, by all accounts, Tim, is going to be some difficult decisions with some very popular players. When you uh, commit as much money as they have to the quarterback, uh, some of the guys that uh, Viking fans have, um, you know, they're buying their jerseys. Uh, they, they might not be here for the, you know, for the foreseeable future. Some tough decisions ahead, cap wise, for this Vikings team. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I think if you're looking at some of the the top paid guys, some of the guys that have been around the last few years and made an impact that might not be with the team beyond uh, 2019. Uh, a couple names that, that come to top of my mind are Riley Reef at left tackle if he doesn't restructure. Former Hawkeye. Uh, I would. What's that? Former Hawkeye. Yeah, for, yep. exactly. Yep. And, you know, he came in, big contract, played well his first year. I felt like he dropped off last year a bit. And there was even talk that they could perhaps move him to guard this year if they found a, a left tackle or even a right tackle in the draft. And then if that were the case, they'd move Brian O'Neill over to left tackle. Um, so I, I think Reef with his big contract is a guy that they would look to restructure. Everson Griffin, uh, you know, he did restructure this off season and some interesting comments by Mike Zimmer saying that Stephen Weatherly will, will play a much bigger role this year makes me wonder, okay, if they can get Weatherly signed to an extension, that probably doesn't bode well for, for Everson Griffin being able to stick around on his current contract either. And then, of course, they're they're always fairly deep with Mike Zimmer as the head coach, fairly deep at cornerback. And you know, Trey Waynes is playing on his on his uh, fifth year option this year. So you know, they they could look to uh, just plain let him go after his contract runs out, or maybe look, take a look at what would he accept, and does that make Xavier Rhodes a little more expendable with a more expensive contract? So all these things are are on the table for now. The concentration is 2019, but uh, no doubt with all of the big contracts they've signed in recent months and even years that, you know, aging guys are going to have their contract looked at. And if they're not willing to restructure are going to be, uh, you know, open to to release or to trade. Speaking of former Hawkeyes, Jaleel Johnson now getting ready for what is fourth season with the Vikings and, just has never really panned out. What's his future of anything? Is there any hope left that Jaleel Johnson can turn into a guy, maybe not even as a starter, but can be productive in a backup role? Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that is going to depend on where do things fall with Linval Joseph. Uh, you know, does he come back completely healthy after his offseason surgery? He's been dealing with elbow issues, um, you know, basically since he came to the Vikings. He's 
you know, fans that, that pay attention will will know that he's been wearing a, a big elbow brace almost every single season with the Vikings, and he does that during most practices as well. Um, so, you know, he's got a big contract too. Um, you know, if, if he if he continues to to play well, and I, I expect that he will, um, then I think Jaleel Johnson is a guy that just is always going to remain as a backup. Uh, if if Joseph doesn't play well or decides that he's kind of reaching the end of his career, the Vikings try to make that decision for him, you know, then, then I think Jaleel Johnson's got a chance to at least compete for that job. But I, I think for him, it's, it's just being really consistent in what he does. And, uh, you know, as a younger player, I think there, there's a learning curve there. I think he's gotten much better, uh, the last year or two in that, but, um, it'll all depend on how many chances he gets. And, uh, you know, if Linval Joseph is in there uh, on first and second down, it doesn't bode well for Jaleel Johnson getting much more looks than he has in the past because when they get to passing downs, then it's guys like Jalen Holmes, uh, you know, from Ohio State that, that would probably get some pass rushing looks. And they've done a lot of experimentation on their defensive line, moving some defensive ends inside during pass rushing situations. So, um, you know, with, with Johnson, I think a lot of that just depends on what happens with Linval Joseph. You know, as I look up and down this roster, I still love a lot of the pieces. Last year, huge disappointment, not just missing the playoffs, but there were big expectations from people nationally about this team, and they go 8-7-1. and one. As you look up and down the roster, what still concerns you? What, what's, the, what's the thing that says it'll be another non-playoff year when you look up and down the 53-man roster? Well, the offensive line. Uh, it's kind of been the issue the past couple of years and they've dedicated more resources to it now uh you know with first round pick garrett bradbury and i think he's going to be a really good player but you know that moves pat elfline out to left guard josh klein was taken in free agency he'll be the right guard and you just don't know for sure how all those parts are going to to come together especially when it's a new blocking scheme with the influence of of gary kubiak's offense so I really think that this whole year will hinge on how well that offensive line comes together. You know, I give the Vikings credit. They they knew that the offensive line was a problem. They addressed it as well as they could given their salary cap constraints. Um, but I still think that there is some work to be done there. Last thing for you, Tim Yotter, VikingUpdate.com. Tim, who's the in your mind, and we have the right to change our opinion, obviously, before the season kicks off, who's the team to beat in the North? Well... I guess I would probably say the Bears um, because of what they did last year. Uh, it, you know, there is some concern though with Vic Fangio moving on. How is that going to affect what they're able to do defensively? Um, I, I really think this is a very tight race with the top three teams: with the the Bears, the Vikings, the Packers. And the Packers with a whole new system. How does that all come together? How does Matt Lafleur? work alongside uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, do some of the issues that, that plagued them in the last few years under Mike McCarthy, are, are they still going to be around or is it, you know, everybody's on the same page now offensively, is Aaron Rodgers happy? If that happens, then I think the, the Packers are a real contender. If it doesn't, you know, the, they're right back in that pack with, with the Vikings and, and uh, the Bears. Timmy Otter, VikingUpdate.com, VikingUpdate.com, part of 24-7 Sports. Always good content there, message boards for you Viking fans, etc. Tim, thank you. We'll talk to you in the weeks to come.
All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Tim Yotter, VikingUpdate.com. So there's the Bears, there's the Packers. Oh, there's the Bears at the Packers. There's the Bears. There's the Vikings, the Packers, and the Chiefs uh, to come uh, later on in the week or the first part of next week. All right, we're going to do some NBA draft talk in the uh, upcoming hour. Yes, are you pumped up? It's so close. I, I mentioned this to you. Yes. I need at least a, a yeah, week off. They here. do both jump up on you. Winter oh. sports and draft for Wait. both the NHL and the NBA this week. The NBA, quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. NFL, I mean, months and months and yeah. months. Then we get this. I know. <laughs> it's odd. It really is. I'm with you. It does seem a little bit. But everybody needs, I guess, to get away, right? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Don't want to drag it out. All right, with, uh, so we've got Chris Monter coming up. He's covered the draft uh, for, for decades, literally. Look forward to speaking with him. And then Mitch Sherman, who was with ESPN. Now he's moved over to the Athletic. College World Series is in Omaha. We'll touch on that, but we're also going to do a lot on the Big Ten West with Mitch as he's uh, covering the Huskers for the Athletic. It's Miller and Condon, 11 o'clock hours next, on Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 